The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, broadcasting live this week from SoapCentral.com headquarters here in Philadelphia, where it is a dark, dreary, rainy messy kind of Friday, not exactly the way that you want the weather to be before you start your weekend. I guess it's all due to Tropical Storm Andrea. It is hurricane season, so hopefully this will be very quiet and this will be the worst of it for everybody because I know that you know we've had some really bad years with our tropical storms and hurricanes. So hopefully we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll leave that in the past and we'll move on. This week, it is our last live show before the daytime Emmys. So if you have anything that you want to say about the daytime Emmys, this is going to be your chance. You can call in and talk about some of the reels that you've seen. You can talk about your predictions for who you think is going to win. I say it's our last live show because next week we will be airing our daytime Emmy prediction special with me and some very special guests making our predictions about who we think will win daytime Emmys But because that is the big Emmy weekend, it will be a pre-recorded show, so it's brand new, but you won't be able to call in. So if you're thinking about talking about the daytime Emmys, this is going to be your last chance to do so before the show airs. Joining me, though, for this hour is a friend to the show who's going to help me take some of your calls to talk about anything that's going on on your favorite soaps, whether it's your favorite characters, some storylines that you like or don't like, if you'd like to talk about some of the news that's affecting your favorite soap, just like we did last week. I thought last week went really, really well, and this week we did have a guest lined up, but it's amazing what a little work stoppage will do to your scheduling and booking of guests. So we've decided to sort of do a to-be-continued from last week, and I hope that you will call in if you'd like to talk to us. It's 866-472-5788. Again, that number is 866-472-5788. You can also find me right now on Twitter at Soap Central Live. I'll be tweeting along and offering my thoughts on what you have to say there as well as some of the questions that are asked here on the show. But as I said, we do have a special guest. We're back together. We're going to be sweating to the oldies this week, I understand, with the executive editor of Soap's In-Depth Magazine, Richard Sims. <laughs> Richard, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Did I win? <laughs> you didn't win. You unfortunately are a couple of weeks late. Uh, I tell you, I call this number. I always think I'm going to win. I never win. But I, yeah, it's you're right. I, I guess I'm the oldie. You can do the sweating. I'll be the <laughs> oldies. And uh, it'll be just like Sonny and Cher reunited again. That'll be a... Am- well, um, you know, Richard... 
that's not really a very good share, but I can't tell. No, I don't even really know. Not. And the sad, your share is bad, but the problem is <laughs> I couldn't summon up the voice of Sonny in my head if I tried. <laughs> I, 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 you know, you don't, nobody ever goes around doing Sonny impersonations. Everybody does share. No, that's what I was, I could not even begin to even think what his voice sounds like to get to a point where I could even try an impersonation. Uh, I feel badly about that, sort of. Maybe we um, should do Sonny Corinthos instead. Fucking Harry. Fucking Harry. There you go. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> That's all I know. That's the only yeah, thing he says. okay. So, Richard, there has been just a whirlwind of stuff going on in the world of soaps. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with stuff that's playing out on screen. It seems like a lot of our stuff uh, that we talked about last week and we're going to continue to talk about this week because it still seems to be something that have fans worked up. We've got work stoppages. We've got people leaving soaps. We've got people coming to soaps. We've got casting calls. It seems all of the soaps have a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes that's going on. Including, I think it's... Uh, one of the things that I was really psyched to see was Days hitting a two-year high in its ratings. I was so happy to see that because I, um, you know, Days was never my show. I've said that before. Um, I, you know, I've watched it all my life on and off and, you know, depending on what the storylines were. But for the last year or so, it has been just, it's been, it's become my show. It's really become kind of classic soap opera. And last Thursday, the episode that, started with, it had the um, Gabby con- confessing to, uh, I mean, Nick confessing to Gabby that he'd been raped, and Marlena and Kristen's big showdown was just, you know, it was one of those episodes that I, I went on Facebook afterwards and was like, dudes, if you guys watch soaps, even if you don't watch Days, watch this, because the script is killer, there's some great acting, so I'm just so happy that a show that, in my mind, is doing so much right is is getting some love from viewers by having the ratings go up. Well, the thing that bothers me and has always sort of bothered me about Days of Our Lives right now is the fact that they are taping scenes now that won't air until 2047. They are so far ahead of taping that I worry that the stuff that's going on now, and depending upon what the reaction is, they may have wrote things differently. They may have written storylines differently had they known how viewers were reacting now, but because they're you know three or four months or so ahead, they may have gone in a different route. Does that make sense? I mean, do you, do you get what I'm getting at? That, that I get exactly were- what you're getting at. And for a long time with this show, that was my fear. Uh, you know, it started with not this writing regime, but the last writing regime. You know, that was that was really when they started getting really ahead. And... When that writing regime came in, I was really excited for what they were going to do, and it fell very flat. And so when the new writing regime came in, and I knew that they were working that far ahead, I was really worried. And several of the plots that they sort of put in motion or continued, oh, I was so worried about The the example that I go back to most of the time is when – Will and Gabby slept together. You know, when they had their one-night stand, I rolled my eyes, and I was like, okay, who doesn't know that this isn't going to end with her getting pregnant? And, of course, and I, I just, I was ready to hate on it, and, you know, they were four months ahead, so obviously no matter what I said, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to change anything, as if it would anyway. 
And then as the story unfolded, I fell in love with this story. I, I, it made Nick and Gabby two characters I couldn't care less about before. It gave them rooting value. They, they did a beautiful job with Will and Sonny. It impacted the entire canvas. It even impacted, like, Rafe and, and EJ and Sammy. Same thing with EJ and Sammy. You know, I knew they were going to be putting them back together, and I rolled my eyes and said, oh, yeah, get back together with the guy you shot in the head. And they made me, you know, I've been, I've been an EJ and Sammy sort of basher because of their history. And they made me fall in love with them. They played it right. And they really showed that, you know, they, they, they weren't just whitewashing their history. They were actually kind of playing to their history and having everyone in town say, what are you two doing? And so I've learned that so far they have a real the, the writing team obviously has a courage and a conviction. They believe that, you know, and, and in a way, maybe it's, maybe it's good that they're not, they're so far ahead that they can't actually react to what people are saying about what's on screen because then they might second guess themselves. And I feel like they're doing such a good job. Now, sooner or later, obviously they're going to stumble. And one of the stumbles along the way has been Jennifer and Daniel. Oh my goodness. I, yes. I talk to a lot of people. Um, you know, I have on, on our Soaps and Depth, um, ABC Soaps and Depth account, we have 40,000 followers, another 10, 12 on CBS, um, you know, the reader mail, all that stuff. Like you, I interact with a lot of people. I don't, I honestly think I can say that I have never had anybody say to me, you need to stop bashing Jennifer <laughs> and Daniel. I love them. I have never had a Jennifer supporter. Everybody hates them, and they shouldn't. And when I say they shouldn't, I don't, I mean, I hate them too. I don't mean they shouldn't because, you know, they're this awesome couple. What I mean is, and maybe this is something you can answer, I don't get what doesn't work about them. He's a handsome leading man. She's a longtime heroine. You know, like, their their, their stories have been, you know, kind of typical soap opera story. I don't get why they don't work. Why do we hate them so much? Why does the entire nation, why, why does Danifer Nation want to kill them? You know, I don't know. Uh, you're right. This is something that on paper probably should have worked. I don't know if, and this is not to wade into any waters that are, are uh, raging with controversy, but there were, s- <laughs> <laughs> there were some things last year that I know uh, Melissa Reeves had tweeted about that got some fans very upset. And I don't know if maybe there's a reaction, uh, a personal reaction to that, that made them sort of spill over into uh, a fictional storyline. I mean, you never know what it is. I, I don't know. But I haven't you know, figured I don't that out either. I feel that way. Like, like, I mean, there are actors out there who do very controversial things all the time. And yet, you know, people, if you tell a good story, people ignore that. And I swear, I think half of the Danifer hatred comes from people who, you know, they are the kind of soap fans who, like me, really don't give too much of a crap what the actors do off screen. They're, they're soap fans. They like stories. They like the characters, whatever. And they, you know, they don't like this. And the thing is, I noticed that a lot of the Danifer hatred, I would buy that theory if the Danifer hatred was directed at Jennifer. But a lot of it seems to be directed at Daniel. Uh, you know, it's so, you know, I mean, she gets her share too, but, but a lot of it is devoted to Daniel. And it's, when I talk to people, the thing I always hear is that the spoilers in Jennifer and Daniel's story are more interesting than Jennifer and Daniel. And I completely oh, wow. agree with 
I loved when Nicole was like going crazy and like and like you know making Jennifer suffer. I loved Chloe making them suffer, even though I thought the, the that their take on Chloe was really really off base. But now I love JJ. I think this this kid playing JJ is fantastic. He's a he, uh, Casey Moss. He's a he's a good addition to the show. I'm interested in him. I I want. I find myself in the bizarre position of. You know, here's Jack and Jennifer, who are these sweet, lovely, wonderful characters. You know, really on paper, they're very good people. Mm-hmm. I want bad things to happen to them. I root for the people <laughs> who come along and do bad things. If, 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 if Celeste suddenly started poking pins in a voodoo doll that looked like them, I would, like, cheer her on. And I don't understand why. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to figure it out, but I think one of the ways that maybe we can get some insight onto this is to start taking some of the calls from folks that we have on the line. Before we do that, though, I want to read a tweet from Southern Siren who said, I detest Daniel and Jennifer enough with throwing others under the bus to boost a couple with no chemistry. So uh, we're... One for one here with people disliking Danifer. Uh, I, I don't know what the people on the call lines are going to say. I know we have Denise, Bonnie, John Michael, and Dewey holding. If you also want to call in, you can call into 866-472-5788. Or again, follow us on Twitter at Soap Central Live. We may read your tweets. We may take your calls. We are, however, going to go to South Carolina for Denise, who wants to talk about the bold and the beautiful. So, Denise, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi. How are um, you today? I'm good. It's my first time calling, so I'm a little nervous. No need Yay! to be nervous. <laughs> I have I have a lot to say about the bold and the beautiful. Well, let's hear. Because um, I've been watching. I started watching when Andrew Franz was on the show, and then like I really got into the list. I've been watching the last few years with Jacqueline McInnes Woods, mm-hmm. and I've been list- reading the interview that she did on in Soap Opera Digest last week, and then the few interviews that she did with Canada, the like ET Canada and E Talk, and it's like. I can't come up with a clear whether she's staying, she's going, she's taking a break, because I know they keep saying taking a break, but she's not on contract with them anymore, and Brad Bell hasn't said anything, so I'm like, I can't really, I'm trying to read between the lines of, you know, what, what, she's, what she's doing, so I was wondering if you have any, can you come up with anything, whether she's really going to stay or not, because uh, Steffi's a, a character that should be on all the time, she's a front-runner storyline, she's not meant to be sidelined or backtracked or maybe never even seen again. So I was just wondering what you're thinking about what Jacqueline McInnes what is going to be doing. Richard, do you want to take that one first? Uh, I'm so glad. It's, you know, Dan, you and I are like mentally connected because I'm literally, this is so silly. I'm literally sitting here with my hand up as if you can see me. <laughs> like, oh, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. Um, you know, here's the story. Um, she is leaving. It's temporary. Um, she's done this before. This is not the first time. And in this case, it's really going to work storyline-wise because, as you know, you know, Steffi just found out um, that she uh, can't have children. If you pay attention to the dialogue during those scenes with Dr. Casper and the other doctor, which, by the way, I thought those were incredibly written scenes. They were very... She's not going to have a part I mean, she has, definitely has an Emmy reel for next year. Oh, but what was amazing to me was the dialogue in those scenes was kind of brutal. I mean, they went into detail about, like, you know, the procedures that were done, and and, I, and you rarely hear that. That I, I really thought that, you know, I was surprised. I thought for a show, you know, B&B is a little bit, 
you know, tends to be a little bit on the campier side, and they mm-hmm. really handled that with so much sensitivity and honesty and, and really just like, you know, in-your-face medical dialogue. But, but, you know, she can't have a job. But if you listen to what they were saying, in those scenes and then later in the scenes with Katie, they were talking about how um, there are medical discoveries being made all the time, and there are doctors all over the place who are always doing research. So in, in the story... Steffi is going to leave town. Um, um, I believe she tells Liam. I believe she tells Liam she's going to Paris, and and it's indefinite. And she is going, but she will be coming back. Um, I don't know exactly when because unlike Days of Our Lives, Bold and the Beautiful doesn't film like four months in advance. <laughs> but she's taking a break. You know, Jackie does a lot of other projects. She's got she's got uh, the, you know uh, her music and she's done TV and stuff like that. So. Um, it, I, the fact that she's not on contract does not, at the moment, does not bother me. I mean, the same thing with, you know, there was a big controversy uh, last week or the week before about Bradford Anderson at General Hospital being the same thing. He's not, yeah. he's not on contract right now. He's going on recurring. It's his choice to go on recurring. Um, I believe, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I'm 99% sure that this is also Jacqueline's choice. To go yeah, on I heard that in, in the interviews that she did with E.T. E. Canada, because she, she had a different hair color, so I know that's the, because you know the interview was recent, because she's talking about the, the information that we just found out on Tuesday, saying that she's been doing this for five years, and, you know, she just, and she's doing some intense, she was doing some intense stuff, so she just needs a break for herself to travel, so I'm just wondering if she's going to come back, maybe, maybe by like October or something, come back, um, Full time because I know she because I'm reading the article she came up with some kind of arrangement with Brad Bell that she at, at a certain points or something at a set schedule she would come in and uh, shoot a bunch of episodes at a time. So I'm wondering if those episodes are going to be like the ones when she was in Paris when she was in her Lifetime movie where you just see, see her like maybe once or twice or maybe three times a week. Well, I'm you know we're going to have to. We're going to have to find that out. It's one of the things that they're, they're probably not going to tell us at this point in time. There will be a period where she's off screen. Maybe they'll pre-tape and, and be able to make that a little bit smaller. But the best way to find out is to stay tuned. Of course, check out Soaps in Depth magazine and SoapCentral.com. I want to thank you, Denise, for giving us a call today. Richard, it's one of those things that, like you were saying, there are a lot of variables. Uh, you know, it can play out certainly any kind of way. The, the show may decide to take story in one direction. They may need her more. Uh, but a lot of people, particularly I want to say a lot of women, a lot of actresses who go through these really intense storylines involving the loss of a child or uh, those really raw emotion, they all express this desire that they sort of need time away. They need to to clear their minds. They need to really have a break from that sort of intense material. And to me, that's part of what it sounds like what Jackie's doing. I agree. It's almost like having a maternity leave, you know? And I think the other thing is it works out great story-wise because you send her off the canvas for a while now. As we all know, they're about to introduce Darren Brooks, who used to be Mm -hmm. on Days of Our Lives. He's going to be playing Wyatt on The Bold and the Beautiful, and Rena Sofer's coming on and his mother, and they've, they've made no bones about it. They have said, basically, he is going to be Hope's new guy. So, you know, this, let's face it, there have been a lot of people who have complained over the last year or two that the Hope Liam Steffi Triangle took over the show for a while. Really? I don't, people- well, I don't think that's true over the last six months. <laughs> last year, I would have said it. Last year, I would have said, yes, it took and over the, the year show. before. It's the only story. Yeah. <laughs> 
But but the last six months, the last six months, eight months, I think the show has just expanded the canvas beautifully. They have so many stories going on. But taking Steffi out of the picture lets Hope's life sort of move forward, Liam's life sort of move forward, and then it's a you know that's when you know when it's it never hurts to give a story that's gotten a lot of play a little rest because then when Jackie and Steffi come back into the picture, you know you've got so much that you can do because everybody's back into it again. I agree, and I think that uh, before we move on to the next caller, one of the things, too, is that when you have someone who is under contract, depending upon what their contract says, they have to get a certain amount of episodes, and they get paid for that, and if you allow someone who wants to take a break or go and do another project to have that sort of give and take with a contract, if you don't have to necessarily maybe pay them for that period of time, I think that it... it, you know what? You, it, it helps you. It allows you to tell stories. You're not forced to use that person to get your money's worth. So I think that it maybe works all around for everybody. I agree. I agree. I think it's a great arrangement. I mean, I've long been um, a fan of rotating casts of, you know, yes, you're in a little bit of danger of that person, of losing that person. But if it's the actor's choice, if they want to continue to work with you, if they want to continue to be on the show, but they also want to give themselves a little bit more freedom, you know, which is sort of the situation that actors like Jackie or Bradford Anderson, you know, mm-hmm. they've got other, they, they want a break or they've got other things going on, and this gives them that opportunity. And I think that's, I think it works for everybody. I definitely do. Uh, and certainly... You've been talking about uh, Bradford Anderson and Jackie Wood. These are two performers who, for their work in 2012, are now nominated for Daytime Emmys. And our next caller, Bonnie from Massachusetts, wants to talk about the Daytime Emmys, maybe weigh in with some predictions. So let's welcome back one of our uh, frequent callers. Bonnie, welcome back to Sub Central Live. And Richard, can I apologize to you for a little bit? (laughs) I didn't realize it was you. Why, what, what's there an apology Richard, for? I thought it was Bridget Simmons. I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, on Facebook, when I had posted yes. that I was coming on your show, she, she, she I got, she got so I excited. totally apologize. She thought Richard Simmons was coming on, and she just about she just about wet herself. She was so excited. I had to <laughs> let her down easy and tell her, "No, sorry." <laughs> well, Bonnie, we are anyways, not going to be I'm, sweating I'm sorry, to the Richard, oldies. I love you, anyways. <laughs> so, what would you like to talk about the Emmys, Bonnie? Everything, like predictions. Who do you guys think's gonna, you know, win? I'd like to start off with the youngest um, supporting actress. We're not actually going to give you our predictions this week because you're going to have to tune in next week for that. But we would absolutely love to hear what you think, who you think might win. And I'll certainly have no uh, uh, problem giving you my thoughts on your prediction. Well, the youngest living actress, I'm going with Kristen Olsen. Because when she started GH last year with the death of Cole and Hope and her coming to a new town, regaining her life and everything else and starting fresh... um, I think she did a wonderful job out of all the other people that were running this year between her and um, uh, Jacqueline M. Wood, who I'm not really a big fan of. I'm bold and the beautiful, sorry to say. Um, well, let me, Bonnie, let me ask you a question. Sure. Did you, have you watched the reels that people submitted? And the I reason did. I ask that is, I did. You're, doing what I, you're doing what I tend to do. I yeah. tend to look at and say, oh my God, I love this story, or I love you know, this performer mm-hmm. over the year. Yep. But in the end, it really does come down to the one reel that you submit. It, yeah. and, you know, it's so important. 
Yes. I understand that, but I mean, I have always loved Kristen Ellison. You know? Mm-hmm. I we love her too. I mean, she certainly she's from Philadelphia, so I certainly have oh, a special God, place yeah. in my heart for. Her. But and can I tell you, I love her more as Kiki than I did as Star. I feel uh, like Kiki has the, now. I feel like Kiki has the fire that Star had when she was a little girl. Remember exactly. when Star was like this, you know, troublemaker, and she had the tarantulas and everything. I feel like Kiki is sort of a return to that. She's got more fire because Star was a little bit burdened down by, you know, oh my God, my my boyfriend's dead and my my child's dead. Yep. And I'm crying and I'm singing ballads and now my boyfriend's been raped and you know mm-hmm. it's, just, it's endless. Well, no, it's not a boyfriend. It's turning out to be your cousin. <laughs> So let me, we're going to have to keep you to one more Emmy-related question okay, because I'm looking at the time. For, um, Do drama series. Go right drama, to the top I of the list. Drama series is going to be One Life to Live. And why do you say that? Actually, you know, it was canceled last year. I've been a One Life Liver since 1987. I'm showing my age right now with the storylines and everything else. And I know it's back on um, Hula. But now that might be going off the air, too. i just been a One Life to Live fan since my day of high school. Well, that's a very the acting, interesting the writing, prediction. The support, you know, everything with it. I just go with that all the way. Been a whole part of One Life to fan for like 20-odd years. Well, Bonnie, I want to thank you so much for calling back and talking about some of your Emmy predictions. Richard, I have to say that Bonnie is not the only one who is predicting one life to live to win outstanding drama series. One of our guests on next week's Soap Central Live is also seemingly almost completely confident. I know that's not a whole lot of it. Didn't sound quite that confident the way I worded it. Yeah, I was going to say, talk about <laughs> that was a wobble. That was a that was downright political. What <laughs> of the guests is is very confident that One Life to Live is going to win and explains why. There's a whole lot of reasons, and I looked at it and I'm like, hmm, you may have uh, convinced me as well. I, of course, I'm well, not going to. I just I want to address something that Bonnie said at the end there. You know, she sure. talked about how it's back on Hulu and and said, you know, now it's probably going to go off. I was I that, that was this, what I was going as well. I wanted to. I know we were definitely going to hit that. This work stoppage thing has people freaked out, but I think they really shouldn't be. I really truly believe that, and here's why. First of all. They were, they were already scheduled to go on hiatus. You know, it just happened a little bit earlier. And people hear that, uh, you know, that they were going to go on hiatus and they get a little bit freaked. But what they need to remember was they were doing two episodes a day, five days a week. And they were already, um, and, and that was when they were going to air four days a week. And now they're back to two days a week. So they've got plenty of episodes to get them mm-hmm. through the next few months. There's no, you know, the hiatus is not really that big a deal. It sounds kind of like, um, from, from, from what I've heard about what the actual problem is with the union, it really sounds like it's, there's not a lot there. There's not a lot of meat to it. So I, don't, I think this will be hammered out very quickly. I don't think it'll be a big deal at all. They, uh, they will be, I predict they will be back in production by no later than, you know, early August, which kind of was the original plan anyway. It may, it may end up being affected by a few weeks, but it will not in any way, shape, or form impact what you're seeing on Hulu because they have, they already had a stockpile of episodes and that was before they went to two days a week. So that's the most important thing for everyone listening to know is that while it is technically uh, production has been halted, it was only halted by maybe 10 days early. The, as Richard said, the hiatus was already in place. They were already going to take a break. Theirs is longer 
because they have more episodes, but all of the shows, General Hospital, Bold and Beautiful, Days of Our Lives, Young Adolescents, they all have periods of time, sometimes two weeks or so, where they just shut down the studio because they're taping more than one episode in a day. So they have the ability to, to shut down and give everybody a vacation and some time off and some much needed rest. But for us, the fans, the thing to know is that new episodes are going to continue to air. They're already stockpiled. They're already edited. They're already ready to go. So you're not going to notice anything different. They're still going to air two times every week until whenever. Uh, I, I'm, they have the episodes through August or so, I guess it is. So by the time that those are out, they'll be ready to go and bring us some new episodes if hopefully this situation is resolved quickly, which exactly. I've heard as unless well, Richard. It sounds like it changes, Unless something changes, people will never even notice. Like if, if it hadn't, you know, if this was the day before the internet, if this was back in, you know, 20, well, let's see, you've been around for 18 years on the internet, so let's say 20 years ago, before there was a Soap Central uh, on the internet, people probably wouldn't have even known about this, you know? It would, be, it would be, it's so much of what we report on now um, is stuff that in the old days would never have been reported on. Magazines wouldn't have even bothered. Nobody wants to I read like that I like that you say that. I like that you say that because that gives us a really good segue into our next caller, and this is why. A lot of the things that are reported now, as you said on the Internet, are things that either wouldn't have been revealed or couldn't have been revealed until print dates of magazines. It would have already been passed. Something that I'm wondering if it works the other way for soap fans who are not actively engaged on the internet, for soap fans who are not maybe picking up the magazines, they may not understand fully why all of a sudden there are three actors who were on General Hospital who now have new roles. We know what the situation is because, again, it's, it's part of our work and people are reading it on the website or they're reading it in Soaps and Depth magazine. But for folks who don't have that luxury or choose not to, they may be completely lost. Our next caller, John Michael from Atlanta, wants to talk about the One Life to Live General Hospital transplants. So let's welcome him to Soap Central Live. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm first-time caller, um, but long-time listener. Oh, well, good. We have two first-time callers. I'm liking this. This is like yeah. uh, uh, getting to know you day. Well, I, I was going to go with the Virgin Hour, but okay. <laughs> well, I actually Facebooked you about two weeks ago and called you Mr. Kroll, and you said that's your father. It is. I don't like, no. Yeah, yeah that was you. That was me that said that. Um, well, the question I have, I actually know a little bit about this because I'm actually a part-time actor here in Atlanta, so I'm kind of familiar with how this works. But my question is, and I've never really understood this exactly, um, I like all the three actors, um, as called transplants, but why didn't, if they wanted to recast these roles, was this just a stick at the prospect part? Because they could easily just have gotten three other good actors to play those roles if they wanted to bring them back. Why these specific three? I think, I mean, for me, I'll start off with this one. I think that you have the instant uh, recognition from these three performers. I think that you know, it's sort of an interesting dilemma that they certainly could have done that. But if you look at what happened with All My Children, a lot of fans were saying on All My Children, oh, they're aging all of these young characters, so now we have all these new performers that we don't know and that we don't care about, forgetting the fact that they were already characters that people knew about. I think One Life to Live had the luxury of being able to get most of its existing cast members who they wanted to sign on with the reboot. And I think that it 
would have been better to have the three performers who were playing the roles on General Hospital come over in one life to One Life to Live and, and play those roles. For me, I think it would have made for better story, and it certainly would have been uh, better for the emotional attachment that people have from seeing these characters and these actors and knowing them or feeling that they know them. And, I mean, they could have easily recast. I don't think that that was really their intention from the beginning. I think they wanted them. And as the uncertainty grew, they may have told the writers to work around the fact that we're not going to have the actors maybe when we want them. So let's let's see what we can come up with. I think that it would have – I mean, could they have recast? Absolutely. I mean, you're right. They They certainly could have just said, hey, we can't get them. Let's recast them and, and carry on like nothing has happened. I don't know if – there's a little bit of, of ego and pride involved in this and someone saying, this is mine. We have this. We paid for this. We should be able to get what we want. Uh, I would think maybe there's a, certainly at least a little bit of that. Uh, I mean, when you pay however many millions of dollars to license a particular show, you kind of want what you're paying for. You don't want to get home and find out that your new car didn't come with tires. Well, I think the attachment issue is my thing because I don't really care who plays the roles if it's good. It's that how much time is on. Like, it's like when Sarah Brown came back as Claudia and she was originally Carly, when I think of her now, I think Claudia. I don't see Carly because five whatever years went by. So they did this in like the next day, basically. That's the only issue. They should have let some time go back because I will always see Roger Howell as Todd because they didn't let time to sort of forget about him as Todd go by. They just sort of did almost the next day. That's the only issue I have. Richard, what about you? I mean, do you think that it would have been better if they just said, screw it, let's just recast the characters and, and or just go on like nothing's happened? I think they didn't, shouldn't have even recast, honestly. I think they should have just said, okay, write the characters off, bye-bye. I, I, I honestly think that what happened here is a little bit of sort of a pissing contest. I think, you know, Prospect Park is su- was suing ABC, and ABC... Uh, you know, Prospect Park had every right to these characters. They bought the characters. What they didn't have the right to was the actors. And they knew from the beginning, from the very beginning, when their first attempt to launch the shows, they knew that Kristen Alderson was not going to come on board. She said, nope, I have no interest. I'm in L.A. I'm staying in L.A. I'm perfectly happy here. What Prospect Park had every right to do was say to GH, you can't have these characters, which is what they did. So that was why they wrote the characters off. Now, yeah, it's like they never personally, existed, though, now. personally, I would have at that point written the characters off and said, okay, you know, that's it. That's, you know, we're, we're done. Because it's not like when they brought the three actors onto GH, the ratings went through the roof. And... It also and it had the sort of not necessarily great impact of some GH fans being really annoyed, and mm-hmm. now you're in the same position where, you know, people who want One Life to Live fans are looking at the show and saying, "Okay, wait, so now yet again, we're not only introducing these three characters, but we're building tons of story around them." Uh, you know, why am I not getting Anna or Mac or Felicia or whatever? So, I I think that. They could have cut their losses. They opted not to. They opted to say, okay, we're going to bring them on. I think they took the biggest risk they took was Franco. I mean, to bring back a character that was, you know, I wrote something for the magazine today saying the problem with Franco is this. The show spent three years telling us Franco is a bad guy. Franco is evil. Franco is a serial killer. Franco, you know, did this, that, and the other thing. Franco is the anti-Jason. 
And now they bring him on, and they kind of are whitewashing some of his history, and they kind of just want viewers to ignore some of it. And that's a really difficult thing. You know, soaps are a medium where we all know the fans, they, they know the stories better than, like, soap fans know the stories better than I do, and, I, and it's my job <laughs> to know the story. And so you're not going to just tell, you're not just, just going to snap your fingers and make them forget that the first time we met Franco, he viciously stomped on a, on a guy's head and killed him. You know, like, that's just not something people are going to forget. Well, it's so, easier to drag somebody's tenure out if they're good, because once you're bad, you have to be caught eventually and go to jail, and then you usually are written off the show. So if you have them good, then they can be on the show a little bit longer because you can justify them being out of jail and whatever. See, for me, that's the thing that bothers me most about that, is I think they had to do this. There was They could not have left the stomping on someone's head out there, you know, dangling and decided that they would be able to keep Roger Howarth around. I think that they had to do the, the redemption, uh, which I would rather have him take over the role and have it be short-term and have it be true and, and maybe to the heart of what the character is than doing a recast of the, or a rewriting of the history just so that you can maybe have the longevity factor stretched out. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still, well, that's I one of the reasons I don't Ron- like it. I talked to Ron Carlovati about that exact same thing, and, and in the new issue, we have a story basically explaining why they went with Franco, because that was my question to him, was of all the characters you know, he could have been, whether a new character or a character from GH history, why go with Franco? Such a controversial decision, and he said, honestly, if it was any other actor, I wouldn't have gone this route. Roger Howarth is the only actor who has the ability to pull this off. And I'll tell you what, the first couple days he was on, my tweet stream was filled with people hating it, absolutely mm-hmm. hating it. The last day or two, people are starting to be like, you know what, I may hate that it's Franco, but Roger Howard is awesome and I'm really enjoying watching him. So it may wind up, there are, there are always going to be people who are not going to like this. They're not going to like that it's Roger Howard because they don't want him on the show because he, they're not, they think of him as a one-life-to-live actor, or they're not going to like it because it's Franco. But I was surprised how really, really quickly a lot of people sort of changed their opinion and said, well, okay, you know what, it's Roger Howard and I'm enjoying it and he's funny, so I'll try and get past. I think what most people are doing is they're looking at it and they're not seeing Franco. They're saying, okay, in order to go along with it, I'm going to get along to go along, like they say. I'm just going to pretend in my head that he's still Todd and he's just calling himself Franco. <laughs> well, John Michael, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Richard, for what you were saying, I have a feedback that just came through from Vanessa on SoapCentral.com. It says, I love Todd, Franco, Roger, whatever you want to call him. I love him. He is amazing. I'm excited about the outcome. I don't like Brit. She is what I will not say. Uh, She thinks that it's time for Patrick to find a little peace and get this trick out of his life. So there's another person just weighing in. Like you, uh, my Twitter box and my email box was just filled with everybody who hated it, hated it, hated it. It seems like some of that hatred has either gone away or the pendulum switching to the other side or people have just decided they hate it so much that they're just not going to tweet an email about it. I don't know. But if you out there are listening and want to weigh in on that and explain why you feel the way you do, you can always give us a call at 866-472-5788. It's a toll-free number, 866-472-5788, or follow along on Twitter at Soap Central Live. You never know. I may read your tweet here on the air, or 
I may take your call if you call in, just like I'm going to take a call from Washington State. We have Dewey who wants to talk about All My Children. Dewey, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi, Dan. It's good to talk to you. I had to wait a whole week. I'm also a first-time <laughs> caller. Hey, all right. Three. We've got three out of four. That's a good way yeah, to go. So this so. is your first-time caller day today. I want to talk about excited. All My Children. What and, do you want to talk about All My Children? It's back. That's a good thing. Well, yes, it is. And I'm very glad that you previously addressed the topic on the work stoppage for All My Children and One Life to Live because, as I'm sure you know, things just explode immediately on the Internet, you know, and Facebook and things like that. And people were already saying with the with those two shows going on hiatus, they said, oh, this doesn't bode well for the future of the shows, and, and all Prospect Park wants to do is cancel them, and, you know, it was being very negative, and I can't imagine that Prospect Park would get these two shows back up going again just to cancel them, you know, again so soon. I agree with you. I think that certainly now they have money invested in it, so at the very least... They want to get to the point where they can get some of that money back and maybe even start making money. You know, with the sort right. of ambiguous numbers here, we don't know how many people are watching because those numbers are protected and they're not re- revealed. So it could be, you know, the three of us who are here talking right now could be the only ones watching or it could be three million people or, you know, whatever. Who knows how many people are, are watching? But since you are watching All My Children, let me find out what you think of of watching it online uh, what are the stories that you like? Just put it out there. You're a first-time caller. I want to give you a chance to say everything that you've oh. ever thought about All My Children. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, I've been watching All My Children since day one. Since wow. Since I was a very small child. I shouldn't admit that. But I'm thrilled <laughs> that it's back. I'm thrilled that it's back on Hulu. And uh, my favorite storyline, I love anything. I love David Hayward, and I love Billy Clyde. I'm just thrilled that they brought Billy Clyde back from the dead. I like all those bad guys, I guess. Um, Let me ask you, but before we move on there, I sort of joined the watching of All My Children after Billy Clyde Tuggle was gone. Is what you're seeing on screen now, does this ring true to you as the type of character that he was previously? Has he mellowed? Uh, um, you know, yes, what do you think? Yes, I, I think so. He was always kind of, he was a villain, but he was a funny bad guy. You know, he was one of those guys that was kind of frightening, but you also enjoy him being on on the air. So he was fun. At the same, and Matthew Cowles is very funny in the role. And they have Billy Clyde still saying a lot of very humorous Things which I, in, in which I enjoy, because he, he always come up, came up with very funny one-liners and things. But I guess you wouldn't. I was going to ask you about this, but I guess you wouldn't know because you started watching after he left. But in the '90s, he had kidnapped Dixie, played mm-hmm. by Katie McQueen, and Tad rescued her and everything. And I was hoping that. Um, Eventually, uh, in in the reboot, that Billy Clyde and Dixie would meet up again. 
Are you sitting down? I would hope that you're sitting down because you're probably at your computer. But are you si- sitting down? Yes, I am sitting down. <laughs> well, then I'll let Richard deliver the news. I know the answer, but I want to bring Richard in so at least he can comment on this discussion. Okay, Richard, hi, Richard. Will Billy hi. Clyde and Dixie have a meeting? I don't know. <laughs> you don't I know. don't know. Really? You don't know? They will have a meeting. That's all I'm going to tell you, but they will cross paths. It's very yes. exciting. That, that's what I was hoping, is that they would cross paths. And I was very sorry to hear you hadn't been watching it earlier, because when cause he kidnapped her uh, years ago, and it was a big thing. So I've seen some of those uh, in, in retrospect. I, I've seen bits and pieces of that on YouTube. I, I wasn't there during the context of it. Yes. But the, the reason that we know this is that Katie McLean has, uh, has said that she filmed scenes with him after the news came out, because, of course, uh, Matthew Cowell showed up on the red carpet at the, the big mm-hmm. premiere, and no one knew why he was there, and then we found out he was there, and after that, and Katie McLean said they do have some scenes. We don't know exactly how many scenes they have together or what the 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 distance is, but for me, obviously, you would understand that they can't have two people who are part of All My Children history you know, bring Billy Clyde back to not have him interact right. with Dixie. I think that that right. would be worse... Than, than anything else. So yes. I'm so oh, glad I'm, that you, I'm thrilled to hear that they're going to cross paths again because that's going to be exciting. And I was very happy that you discussed the uh, hiatus that One Life to Live and All My Children are on because that calmed my nerves quite, quite a bit. I've, well, I've, I'm glad. I'm glad that it did, and I'm glad that you were calm enough to call in for the first time. That makes me smile. I always love talking to first-time callers here, so thank you so much for calling in today. Yes, I'll be following you on Facebook. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are almost at a time in this hour, Richard, so I want to you have something that you might want to say about that. We'll let you get that in quick before we take our next caller who's waiting for us. I do. Um, two quick things. One is, it's you know, Billy Clyde is a little bit weird for me because he's so of, you know, a certain era and a certain kind of like campiness that it's very weird to have him inserted into the into the most cutting edge story on the show, which is this this incredibly well done, incredibly ripped from the headlines um, sex trafficking story. It's such a it's kind of a weird, mind boggling thing to have him in the middle of that. But the thing I really wanted to say was, um, you know, we're talking about two legendary shows being back, All My Children and One Life to Live. And, um, you know, both of them were created originally by Agnes Nixon. And the Kennedy Center Honors is coming up, and there's mm-hmm. actually there's actually opportunities for people to nominate um, someone for Kennedy Center, Kennedy Center Honors. Me? And if people go to, yes. You can, you can be nominated. We can <laughs> nominate you. But if you go to Kennedy Senator, uh, Kennedy dash, not underscore, Kennedy dash center dot, dot org, um, and search around a little bit, it's under programs and special events and honors and all that, but you will, or just do a Google search for how to do it, and you'll find um, a form that you fill out to submit a Kennedy Center honors recommendation. And a lot of people have been really behind this idea for a while, and Vincent Arizari was just talking about it the other day, and, you know, it's just a really, really, it would be an amazing thing to get Agnes Nixon, who is, you know, kind of a, a living legend, to get her a, uh, nominated for something like this while, you know, while she's still with us. Um, so I, I think am that's really- actually going to tweet that link 
right now on our Soap Central Live and Soap Central Twitter feeds. So it is out there for anyone who's listening. You can check it out. But as I said, we are running low on time here. So I don't think this is a first-time caller. I think this is uh, a, a seasoned veteran, we'll say. We have David from New York. David, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Richard. Are you a first-time caller? No, I'm not. Second-time caller. <laughs> Okay, well, that's, we'll still count that. This is your first time being a second-time caller. So what would you like to talk about today? Um, I'm going to just share a theory on who shot Victor. Okay, let's hear All it. Those years ago. Um, I think, well, from the, let's say from the beginning, I never thought it was Todd in the first place. Hmm, okay. I think... Um, what is, are those people that he was with, um, you know, the one with the tattoo? Mm-hmm. You saw his tattoo, where that tattoo comes from? Yes. And that, and that insignia that you see on the envelopes that Todd gets? I think okay. they're all related. Hmm. And I think, And I think Dorian's forced resignation is has something to do with that too well that's a very interesting theory david i want to thank you for calling in to share that we will discuss that amongst ourselves and certainly out there on twitter we do have to take one last caller who's on the line before we run out of time richard so let's take a call from ricky from california who wants to talk about the daytime emmys welcome to soap central live Uh, hi dan and richard uh, listen, I just today? wanted to say I had actually looked at every one of those actors' reels. I have a question, however, because I have no affinity to any of the shows or actors at this point. I think As the World Turns used to be the one I only watched religiously. But I was looking at the performances alone. Um, are the actors allowed to submit two Emmy reels? So my question is what I saw. Is that what they're going to be judged on? That is correct. Those are what they were judged on. Now, Bold and the Beautiful gets to submit two episodes, if they choose to, in the acting categories, uh, because they are only 30 minutes of material and the other soaps are an hour. So some of the Bold and the Beautiful actors did submit two episodes. Some, like Catherine Kelly Lang and Susan Flannery, only submitted one, because I guess they felt that that stood alone better and they were uh, you know, more invested in those particular episodes. Richard, I don't know if you've gotten to see all of the Emmy reels yet, but did you want a quick weigh-in on that? No, but I think, I think it is smart if, if you're an actor on The Bold and the Beautiful to really only submit one reel, unless you happen to have two consecutive episodes that when all the other scenes are taken out, you know, when, when everybody else's stuff is taken out, that play as if it's one continued episode. Because otherwise, Absolutely. it can be very weird. I, you know, we've seen this in the past where somebody will submit two episodes, and the first episode will be them weeping over a death, and the second episode will be, you know, a party. <laughs> and it's, it's very disconcerting. Yes, it gets, this, it gets to show you two different sides of that actor's ability, but it's it's also a little bit jarring. So unless you have the ability to submit two consecutive episodes that when edited down will play like one, I kind of am a big supporter of 
pick your best and make it just the one. Before well, we let you go, Ricky, do you want to uh, weigh in with a choice after I watching will, all I these clips? I actually will, because I looked at each of them, and like I said, I'm not an Uber fan of any of them. I, I sample them occasionally, and I certainly okay. know all the actors at daytime. You know, I started out watching Jacqueline Courtney back in the, back in the 70s and everything. But <laughs> I think the ones that stood out to me and, and like I said, I have no affinity to any of the shows or actors. Was, uh, okay. for, for lead actor, it was Doug Davidson or Jason Thompson. Okay. Um, and lead How actress, about- surprisingly to me, was Peggy McKay. And I think she, she was really overlooked. And unfortunately, I like Michelle Stafford, but I thought the reel she submitted wasn't as good as, for example, her scene with her sister Avery and her dying father. Well, I... I definitely, I agree with you, and you're going to hear me say, talk about some of those on next week's show, but since we are short on time, the last one, last word on the Emmys for this show, what do you think will happen in Outstanding Drama Series? What show do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, That's hard to say. I would have to say General Hospital. Um, Only only because it's, it has had a resurgence, and they have brought a lot of back old characters, and these storylines are intriguing. One thing I can say about General Hospital, I'm not a fan of the Mafia storylines, but the way it's edited is quick. So if a certain scene or a certain character doesn't interest you, you know, in a few seconds, you'll move on to something else. Whereas on The Bold and the Beautiful, you know, unless you like Liam Steffi, <laughs> you know, you have to sit through a half hour there. Well, so. we're going to have to edit that because we're out of time for today's show, so I'm going to have to write you out of today's show. Okay. Thank you so much for calling in. All righty. Thank you. Absolutely. Richard, what are folks going to see in the latest editions of Soaps in Depth, the ABC and the CBS editions? What's on the cover? What are the big stories? Uh, the ABC issue is the one that comes out now. It's currently on the market. It technically comes out on Monday. So that's our next issue. And um, it's basically kind of General Hospital going a little bit nuts. Um, it's got the story about why they decided to make Roger Howard Franco. But the big story is the cover story, which is, uh, okay, spoiler alert, the fallout from a shooting. You know, they've been plotting to kill Franco. Sonny and Carly have been, you know, sort of putting their heads together. But Sonny put the brakes on it and said, you know, the time's not quite right. Carly is not one to let the brakes be put on anything. So she is going to do something that, A, is going to get her in a lot of hot water with a lot of people. Uh-oh. B, is going to cause big trouble in at least two relationships on the show. Uh-oh. And C, is going to get somebody shot. And I'm oh, not going to no. say who. Oh, well, that sounds like a whole lot of fun. It actually sounds like the daytime Emmys, which are coming up. And we're going to have somebody's going to get shot. (laughs) Well, uh, figuratively, I'm sure something always happens down at the daytime Emmys. Of course, we're going to be talking all about daytime Emmys next week here on Soap Central Live. It's our annual daytime Emmys prediction show. You'll hear from me as well as some very special guests talking about who they think will take home Emmy gold. And don't forget to keep your web browser locked soapcentral.com for our one-of-a-kind comprehensive daytime Emmys coverage interviews, videos, photographs me, uh, Haley Pulos, Chriselle Stouse, it's an Emmy Palooza if ever there were one that all can starts. I just tell you? Can I just tell yes. you, and listeners, I am so excited for your coverage. I really am. I mean, between you and Haley and 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 Chris Christelle, I think that is going to be so much fun. I know that that's where I honestly I am going to be there Emmy night. I am going to be locked there. I can't wait. 
Well, I'm glad, and I'm glad that you were able to be here with us for our last live show before the daytime Emmys to wade through all the madness that is uh, the world of soaps. Of course, I'm talking to Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps In-Depth Magazine. Richard, hopefully we'll have you back sooner rather than later. You will. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't like how quickly you answer that and how curtly. That <laughs> you makes will. Me, <laughs> that makes me concerned that I need to uh, look out. As I said, of course, next week with our Emmy extravaganza, it is a pre-recorded show because I will be traveling and staking out my claim on the red carpet at the daytime Emmys, but it will be a new show. So be sure to tune in next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for that. We'll be back the following week with a live post-show wrap-up with interviews from the red carpet and inside stories and who knows what else. There may even be some special guests that tag along in my carry-on luggage to get back here to Philadelphia to be on the show. So that's what we've got planned for you coming up. As I said, we're here every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Join us for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live. Have a great week, everybody. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.